don't have enough time to sit down and read all the best Bitcoin articles? Well, let us read them for you. This is a Crypto Economy Quick Read. What is up, crew? Welcome back to the Crypto Economy Podcast. Uh, We are going to hit some quick reads this week uh, from Laurent MT, uh, the developer of OXT.me. When he released his uh, first article um, about, um, he's doing this four-part series on uh, Bitcoin's proof of work, and now all four of them are out. But I read the first one, it's titled Gravity, um, just when he uh, released this and um, you know, got his permission to read this because I'm, I'm really excited about this one. And this entire week, even uh, Friday's episode, as long as I can get permission from uh, the author, will be all about Bitcoin's energy consumption and the proof of work. And we'll be reading Laurent MT's four-part series here um, uh, up until Thursday. And then Friday, I'll be releasing a, another one on Bitcoin's energy consumption. So uh, I think this should be a week with lots of fun discussion about this topic. One note, this uh, article does have quite a number of equations in it that I do my best to read. Um, uh, he explains what's going into the equation really well in the article, so I don't think it's super critical, but at the same time, I want to try to get the math across, even though audio and math don't really mix. Um, so uh, bear with me when I'm going through the equations, and hopefully uh, it makes sense. So uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the first of the four-part series by Laurent M.T., titled Gravity. Quote, Law 1. Every UTXO persists in its state, except insofar as it is compelled to change its state by force impressed. End quote. Isaac Newton, Principia 2.0. In the last years, a lot has been written about the, quote, huge waste of energy resulting from Bitcoin's proof of work. In this series of four posts, we're going to challenge this widespread opinion by questioning the main metrics used to highlight the alleged increasing inefficiency of Bitcoin's proof-of-work. In this first part, we'll discuss the main utility of -of proof-of-work in the Bitcoin protocol. Then, after a reminder of two important properties of Bitcoin's proof-of-work, we will define a mathematical formalization of this utility. Bitcoin.days secured, and we'll use it to define two new metrics, unit cost and average cost. At last, we'll check what these metrics can teach us about the evolution of the efficiency of Bitcoin's proof of work over time. Prologue The Cryptopocalypse is Coming. The news was on all the media a few months ago. The cryptopocalypse is coming. Bitcoin's proof of work is so bad that it's going to destroy the world in 2020. Begin graphic. It's a potpourri of a bunch of different headlines and snippets from articles at Wired, Motherboard, uh, Interesting Engineering, Mashable, all these different sites. 
uh, and the claims of one Bitcoin transaction consumes as much energy as your house uses in a week. Uh, uh, estimated kilowatt hours per transaction. Visa is 0.01. Ethereum is 37 and Bitcoin is 200. 200 kilowatt hours estimated electricity cost per Bitcoin transaction. So on and so forth. End graphic. Reading a bit further, you may have noticed that most of these articles were based on the results of an analysis provided by Alex DeVries, a, quote, financial economist and blockchain specialist, end quote, working for PwC Netherlands and author of the site Digiconomist. I must confess that I have mixed feelings about this study. My issue with DeVries' work isn't the estimated electricity consumption, this part has already received its fair share of criticisms. But the repeated use of a specific metric, the electricity consumption per transaction. Don't get me wrong, in terms of communication, this metric is pure genius, especially for those eager to make a point against Bitcoin's proof of work. The figure seems so outrageously disproportionate that it prevents any further discussion. The problem is this metric is fundamentally wrong for several reasons. First, it mistakes the number of transactions with the number of payments. But let's be fair, that doesn't radically change the actual figure, so let's just forget about that. The second issue is that the figure is often published without specifying that there's no correlation between the electricity consumed and the number of transactions. Or to put it differently, it's almost never acknowledged that the electricity consumed is a fixed cost with regards to the number of transactions, and not a variable cost. With technical solutions like payment channels or the Lightning Network, it's obvious that we can radically decrease the value of this metric as low as we want. That highlights two points. The metrics is easily abusable, and it doesn't tell us anything about future performances of Bitcoin's proof of work. The last problem with this metric is that it promotes a flawed understanding of the utility of Bitcoin's proof-of-work. It's no surprise that it has gained a lot of traction in a period of, quote, blockchain, not Bitcoin, frenzy, but we should make our best to promote rational thinking instead of an endless squabbling based on emotional reactions. So, arrived at this point, we're facing the obvious question. What is the utility of Bitcoin's proof-of-work? The gold mining theory. The first theory is that the main utility of the proof-of-work algorithm is the issuance of new coins. Paul Zork has written a good post on the subject. This theory is seducing because it seems consistent with the widespread metaphor of gold mining used for explaining the mechanism. I have sympathy for this theory and I think that it captures an important aspect of the protocol but for this series of articles, I'm not going to consider the issuance of new coins as the main function of the proof-of-work algorithm. To support this choice, I'll refer to this observation. While it's expected that the emission of new coins stops around 2140, it's not planned that Bitcoin mining stops at the same date. That suggests that proof-of-work plays another important role in Bitcoin. The Section 4 Theory a second theory is that the answer to our question was given 10 years ago by the creator of Bitcoin, in the fourth section of the white paper to be more specific. Begin excerpt. 4. 
proof of work. Highlighted. To implement a distributed timestamp server on a peer-to-peer -peer basis. Move further down, we have another section highlighted. If a majority of CPU power is controlled by honest nodes, the honest chain will grow the fastest and outpace any competing chains. To modify a passed block, an attacker would have to redo the proof of work of the block and all blocks after it and then catch up with and surpass the work of honest nodes. End excerpt. I'm going to summarize this theory with the following sentence. Quote, The main utility of Bitcoin's proof of work is to secure an economic history. End quote. This is all well and good, but in its current form, this assertion isn't very useful. A mathematical model would be far better. That raises a new question. How to express the, quote, security of an economic history as a mathematical equation. Digital gravity. From the previous definition, we can state that our model should be able to express 1. Economic values secured by the system. Ideally, it should be able to do that atomically or in aggregate. And 2. The security provided to these economic values, or at least a good proxy metric. Since there's no such thing as a, quote, coin in the Bitcoin protocol, our model will use the concept of unspent transaction output, or UTXO, as the elementary object of value. We can then easily define the total economic value secured by the system by adding the economic values of all the UTXOs existing at a given moment, or the UTXO set. Good. We already know how to express economic values in our model. Now we need to express security. Obviously, proof of work is going to play an important role here. Thus, it seems important to recall two of its properties. Proof of work is global and cumulative. In a sense, proof of work is similar to gravity, to a homogeneous gravitational field, to be more specific, which has a simultaneous influence over all bodies in its field with a cumulative effect on their individual speed. In the case of Bitcoin, first, when a new block is mined, the security provided by its proof of work is simultaneously and equally applied to all the existing UTXOs. And two, a UTXO accumulates the proof of works associated to all the blocks mined since its creation. All other things being equal, the more hash is accumulated, the more secure the UTXO. These two properties are fundamental for studying the economics of Bitcoin's proof of work. Sadly, they are totally missing in the metrics used by DeVries. Let's make a few assumptions. Before going any further, let's make a few assumptions. Assumption 1. For the last nine years, Bitcoin has been the most secure public blockchain in terms of proof of work. Assumption 2. At any given point in time, 
all existing and significant computing power usable for Bitcoin mining was used to mine Bitcoin. Assumption 3. The marginal cost and revenue of Bitcoin mining are equal. And Assumption 4. Fees paid to miners are negligible when compared to block rewards and they can be ignored. While these assumptions are likely to be more or less inaccurate in the real world, they seem good enough for this preliminary investigation. Okay, now let's try to translate this idea of the security of an economic history into a mathematical model. Number of Bitcoin dot hashes secured by a UTXO. Our first attempt will be straightforward. Basically, we're going to multiply the value of the UTXO by the number of hashes it has, quote, accumulated between its creation and a given block. Begin math equation. So uh, what we have here is a function of BHS sub B, uh, that the sub B is the height is the block height that we're um, looking at and BHS is the number of BTC hashes secured uh, and within that function we are using U which is the specific U, the UTXO um, that we are putting into this function to decide how many or figure out how many hashes secured it has undergone at a specific block height. So that side of the equation is equal to a sub u, or the amount of the UTXO, u in question, multiplied by the summation of all hashes h of i, referring to the block height, um, where i is uh, starts at the block with the UTXO in question, and continues to block height b, where we are trying to measure the hashes secured. End equation. While simple, this definition captures the intuition that the system provides more utility when a UTXO has, quote, accumulated more hashes, or when its value is higher. That being said, this model isn't really satisfying because the number of accumulated hashes isn't a very good proxy for measuring the security of a UTXO. The main reason is that the quantity of computing power dedicated to Bitcoin mining has greatly increased over the years. Thus, the computation of a proof-of-work securing an old block may have required 10 minutes in 2009, but it will be computed in a fraction of that duration when done with modern ASICs. It seems clear we need a better model taking into account this fact. Number of Bitcoin dot days secured by a UTXO. First, we're going to add a new item to our list of assumptions. Assumption 5. On large enough periods of time, the average amount of computing power dedicated to Bitcoin mining monotonically increases. Once again, we can't assert that this assumption is always true or will always be true. Anyway, it has been almost always true in the past. So let's go with this hypothesis. We can now define the security of a UTXO at a given block B 
as the number of days that would be required to rewrite the history since the creation of the UTXO with 100% of the computing power used to mine block B. For an individual UTXO, that gives us the following equation. Begin equation. Now we have BDS, or Bitcoin days secured, sub B at block height B of U, or the UTXO, U in question that we are trying to determine. And that equals the amount of the UTXO, U, multiplied by the summation of all hashes at block height I between the block with the UTXO in question to block height B, which we are measuring to, divided by 144 times H sub B, or the hash of the current block. End equation. And the following equation for the UTXO set. Begin equation. We've actually got the exact same uh, equation except uh, everything on the right side, uh, the summation of all the hashes divided by the amount of blocks in a day uh, multiplied by the uh, amount of hashes in the most recent block. The difference being instead of just taking the amount of UTXOU, we are taking the summation of U in the entire subset of the UTXO of block B. End equation. You may wonder why this choice of quote 100% of computing power used to mine block B, end quote. It's simple. Under our current assumptions, we can consider this definition as a kind of worst case scenario. How long would this UTXO remain secure if all the available computing power was used to rewrite the history? Moreover, while an alternative scenario, 50%, 200%, percent would change the absolute values of our results, it wouldn't change the overall evolution of the metrics over time. Bitcoin's Proof-of-Work Efficiency All right, now that we have a model for the utility provided by Bitcoin's Proof-of-Work, let's check what we can learn about its efficiency. For this, we're going to define two metrics. Unit of cost of a Bitcoin day secured added by a given block. For this first metric, we're going to divide the reward associated to the block, or the assumption 3 about the marginal costs and revenues of mining, by the number of Bitcoins days secured added to the existing UTXOs by the block. It gives us the following equation. By definition, the sum of the values of all the existing UTXOs is the number of existing Bitcoins and is equal to the sum of all past block rewards. Thus, our equation can be rewritten as, and finally simplified as, begin equation. Because he substituted within the equation a couple of times and then simplified the equation, I just wanted to go ahead and skip all the way down to the final equation, which is UC of B, which is the unit cost of the Bitcoin days secured at block height B, or produced by block height B, is equal to 144 times 
the reward of B or R of B and the 144 is to merely translate it into days because there are roughly 144 blocks per day based on the algorithm and then that entire 144 times the reward of the current block divided by the summation of reward sub I the reward of any block from I equals 1 block 1 to B the current block height we are measuring to. End equation. There are a few observations to be made here. First, the unit cost is expressed by definition in bitcoins divided by bitcoins day secured. But we would obtain the same result if we expressed it in US dollar divided by US dollar day secured. Both the numerator and denominator of our equation express the value of bitcoins at the same instant. More importantly, it's worth noting that the unit cost doesn't depend on external factors like the market price or the number of hashes computed. The unit cost only depends on the rules defining the controlled supply of the currency. It is defined by design. Let's check the chart associated to this metric. Begin chart. This is a chart of the unit cost of BTC days secured added at block N. And those blocks, the horizontal axis, goes from zero all the way to some somewhere around 540-ish thousand, whatever our current block height is, uh, and it's counted in 100,000s. And, uh, and then you can see in the chart, uh, at the beginning, the um, left side is an exponential a trend that goes from 0 0.0001, 0 0.001, it, we move a decimal at each place and it goes all the way up to a thousand. And it shows just at the beginning of Bitcoin's life cycle, we were at over 100 unit cost per day secured. Uh, and it steeply declined very quickly into as new Bitcoins were created into the ecosystem and then started to level out underneath 0.01. So from over 100 to 0 0.01 unit cost. And then that continues until you see a, a gap down in the chart at block uh, 210,000, where we had our first block happening. And then that continues a very, very gradual uh, decline until we get to 420,000 with our next block reward. And then that step down again, even below 0 0.001, approaching 0 0.0001 on the chart, and is continually and gradually declining. End chart. I guess that many people will be surprised by this chart, but we can clearly observe that the unit cost is monotonically decreasing over time. This result can be explained by the joint influence of the deflationary model of Bitcoin, having of rewards, and the temporary inflation caused by the creation of new coins. The situation should change when all Bitcoins have been created. At this point, external factors will play a role in the evolution of the unit cost, but it's hard, if not impossible, to predict how things will evolve. Let's note that the situation may also change before this date if or when fees become an important part of the mining incentive. Average cost of the Bitcoins dot day secured added up to a given block. For the second metric, we're going to add all the cost expended on mining from the first block to the block of interest. 
Then we're going to divide this total cost by the sum of all the Bitcoin days secured created by these blocks. Note that we'll express all costs and UTXO amounts in US dollars because we need to deal with the value of UTXOs at different periods of time. That gives us the following equation. Rewritten as and simplified as begin equation. We've got the average cost of dollars days secured. That's AC sub B produced up to block B. That's the B in question. So this is equal to 144 times, or turning this, translating this into days, the summation of all blocks between I equals 1 and B, the block in question, of the reward of I, of our block, times the market price of I. We add that from the first block all the way to block B. Divided by the summation of all of the prices from block 1 to block B, represented as J, times the summation of all of the rewards of block K starting at 1 up to J, the one we have attained the market price for. End equation. That gives us this chart, begin chart. We have roughly the same chart that starts at over 100 for the average cost of dollars per dollars uh, day secured, um, with the steep decline all the way down to 0 0.01 as more units are created into the system. But rather than the almost perfect decline with the mere units of Bitcoin, by taking into the market price, we have made it slightly less efficient with taking into account the actual economic value and there are these minor little bumps and rather than a giant step down at each block reward having there is just a slightly steeper slope that continues to become more gradual and decrease uh, over time still um, going far below 0 0.001 and moving towards 0 0.0001 uh, after block 500,000 and onward. End chart. As it was the case with the unit cost, the average cost suggests that the Bitcoin's proof of work is indeed becoming more efficient over time. This result might seem counterintuitive because of the apparent increasing absolute cost of Bitcoin's proof of work, but it starts to make sense when we realize that this increasing cost is counterbalanced by the increasing total value secured by the system. Conclusion In this first part, we have discussed why the average cost per transaction is not an adequate metric for measuring the efficiency of Bitcoin's proof of work, and why this efficiency should be defined in terms of the security of an economic history. Based on this observation and two important properties of Bitcoin's proof of work, its global and cumulative effects, we formalized the utility of proof of work with a very simple mathematical formula defining the total number of Bitcoin days secured by the system. At last, we have derived two metrics which both suggest that contrary to a widespread opinion, Bitcoin's proof of work is actually becoming more and more 
efficient. In the next part of the series, we will discuss a new metrics highlighting how the efficiency of the system has evolved under the influence of mining and holding behaviors. All right, and that will close part one uh, of Laurent MT's uh, Gravity. Uh, that's part one about Bitcoin's proof of work. Um, but I just thought this was really awesome because he's he's formalized the, the cost metric of Bitcoin's proof of work um, comparative to um, the, the cumulative value that Bitcoin has secured and continues to do so. Um, and I know the math was probably really complicated it's it's hard to it's hard to read it all and you know all the summation equations from one to block b like i feel like it sounds all complex but like he's explaining it like we're just we have to add all the blocks to today's date then multiply it by 144 to make it in days and uh incorporate the value of each block or the utxos in question so on and so forth so hopefully that made sense but I think it's critical to at least know that we're starting from a formalized equation for figuring out how much does it cost per value secured um, uh, by the number of days that it takes that it is currently secured at whatever block we're measuring from. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's, it's one of the most solid arguments you can have against this, the nonsense of uh, the lack of economic efficiency of Bitcoin's proof of work because none of the arguments against against it even try to take into account what Bitcoin is doing. And like I think the only way to fight it is to formalize and say this is the actual metric. This is the only one that makes any sense. Tell me where I'm wrong if I'm not accounting for something. But this is a this is a mathematical it's a very good mathematical formula in my opinion. Uh to define what Bitcoin's proof of work is doing and how much security it is offering to the UTXOs that are currently being spent or transferred on the network. And so, um, uh, and it's also kind of interesting to think about the fact that, you know, uh, Bitcoin that you haven't spent in 100 days is more secure than Bitcoin you spent yesterday. Or let's say you moved, let's say you just moved it from one wallet to the next. Um, as soon as you move it, you are starting your day secured over, and it is now technically less secure than the Bitcoin that you had before. Um, but it just it brings a lot of different things uh, to the forefront. It, it makes it clear. You, you begin to start using this equation, and you can actually think about, okay, what all do you have to take into account, and what does it mean for certain Bitcoin? or some UTXO versus another. And uh, I don't know, I just think, like, this is the only way you can fight the FUD, really, in my opinion, is you you define it so clearly that it becomes obvious that they're just making up metrics to prove a point. Um, and I hadn't quite realized, even though there's, like, this intuitive part of you that you're like, well, that's not right, you know, like... Um, uh, you have to account for the fact that there's all this value being transferred. You know, like you can always use it by the data metric. That's something that you hear B cashers, which is hilarious, or Bitcoin cashers, um, which is almost funny because 
um, they give this metric about uh, the amount of data secured um, uh, within the Bitcoin blockchain and how much it costs to secure it, but then think an eight megabyte block somehow <laughs> solves this problem or a block that has is 99% empty on Bitcoin Cash is any better. You know, if, if you only have 20 transactions in your block, but you're using one-tenth of the hash power, it makes Bitcoin Cash look hundreds of times worse by that very same metric. But again, I think the whole metric is stupid. I think that way of thinking about it is uh, completely, it, it dodges everything meaningful about what's going on. Um, and just tries to get the most absurd number that it can come up with. Uh, and I think Lawrence MT basically, it, it gives us a formalized argument as to why that's the case um, and uh, gives us something to actually give a definable, a definable measurement for. And I just, I don't know, I just thought that was really, really awesome. And I thought this was a great way to set off this series. Um, and I hope it came across, again, in audio um, better than it may have. Um, but, uh, but know that we've got something, we've got a mathematical basis to work from for the rest of his arguments going forward into part two, three, and four, which we will hit uh, tomorrow. Um, uh, I'm sure if you've been listening, you know I am heading out of, uh, I will not be at my computer for like 10 days. I'll miss like eight episodes, I think, or seven episodes. And so I'm trying to get a head start on this. Um, and I think I've got some fun stuff lined up. We will not have any crypto economy chats. Um, I don't have anything lined up and I couldn't schedule it because I won't be able to record for that period of time. Um, but, uh, I will, I'm trying to have as many episodes as possible ready to publish ahead of schedule. Um, and I will let you know on Wednesday how many I have because that'll be my last day to get this head start and have stuff set for you guys um, for the time that I will be gone. But don't forget to check out the article on Medium. Drop some applause on this one because I think uh, what he has done here is given us a reference to move back to to actually give um, a measurable utility to what Bitcoin's proof of work is doing for the network. And I think that is huge. And to make it clear that this is getting more and more efficient as the network gets more valuable, um, not less efficient. And I think that's really exciting and I wanna see this used and kind of adopted going forward. So don't forget to check out the article um, and uh, also so you can see the graphs that he has used to determine the unit cost and the average unit cost with dollars, um, uh, just cause I'm sure, I'm sure that probably I doubt I painted the image in your head that is here on the graph, but I tried. <laughs> um, so definitely check those out. Drop some serious applause on this article. Um, a huge thank you to Laurent MT for doing this. Um, I think this is a really cool uh, series, and I have super enjoyed it um, and wanted to get this out to the people who did not have the time to sit down and read it. Uh, so I will link to that as well as tag him in this post. Um, of course, uh, also... Follow me uh, at The Crypto Economy on Twitter, Mastodon, and Medium. And uh, uh, don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes so you don't miss any more of this series. Um, and if you uh, uh, would rather read it, I will have all these links available in the post, and you can go straight to his Medium page uh, to check all of these out in more detail. 
share the podcast with all of your friends. If you would like to support the show, that's a huge way. Um, help uh, retweet, get this out there um, to everybody who wants to learn more about Bitcoin and all of the concepts and technologies that make this possible and what they mean. Uh, so if you could share or leave a review on iTunes, those are both huge ways that you can help the podcast. Or, of course, you could donate to the Bitcoin address. This thing lives off of donations, and it is hugely, hugely appreciated to anybody who can uh, extend a few uh, millibits my way. Um, thank you guys so much, and uh, I will catch you all tomorrow uh, with more updates as to what's going on um, during my time away. And uh, I will catch you all then. This has been the Crypto Economy Podcast. Take it easy, guys.